welcome to the Inspiring Sustainability podcast and live YouTube recording. I am delighted today to be talking to Kennedy O'Devi, who's the founder and CEO of Shining Hope for Communities, which is a fantastic social enterprise which is based in Nairobi in Kenya. So, hello there, Kennedy. Thank you so much, Adam, for having me. Thank you so much. Looking forward to our conversation because today uh, we're actually going to be talking about something which for most people would be seen as what what is often called social sustainability, but also there's a fantastic uh, environmental sustainability impact to what your organization is doing um, because it's about a, a school which is focused on uh, uh, young women and girls yeah. and we'll be talking about how uh, that can really help uh, girls to go into school um, and how that can help the wider community and obviously the social sustainability benefits of that but also how that can be uh, an environmental sustainability benefit particularly for climate change and then uh, we'll be wrapping up the conversation with um, a conversation about uh, a hard technology that uh, Kennedy and uh, his organization are working with. So I was actually delighted to speak with Kennedy a month or two ago um, when he visited London to uh, win, a, uh, to be given an award and uh, Kennedy is, and his organization are multi-award winning. Um, and through that conversation, it became clear that he really does uh, fit the bill of uh, being a game changer and uh, inspiring sustainability and how he is shining hope on Africa and in fact the whole world I would say. So Kennedy, uh, start off, tell us a bit more about yourself, how you got your journey to get to here. Thank you so much Adam. Oh, I will, I'm very lucky and humbled to be here today on the discussion. So I want to say that uh, from a very early age I believed in people. My mother, a single mother who really struggled a lot in life and really made us believe as kids that everything starts with people. So when we were very poor, we were very poor, we couldn't even afford food. But uh, at, a very, at the age of 10, I was a homeless kid, street boy, eating from the garbage, no hope, life was tough. But I always have that feeling that any change to happen, it has to go with people. So anyway, so I don't want to talk about my life story, but I want to talk about the journey, you know. So it was a very tough journey growing up in one of the largest slums in Africa, where there's a challenge with running water, there's a challenge with the sanitation, it's poor garbage, violence, you know. There's also, it was, a, it was a tough place to grow up. It's an area that can be compared to Central Park, those of between New York, and there lives more than a million people. And life is very hard, it's a struggle. But people living there are just that uh, they were not advantages to be born in rich family or with good school of system. But they do st struggle to survive. And they're the people who really inspired me a lot. They never gave up. And even now they are changing their community. If you talk about the climate change, these are the people who really get really ruined up by what's happening around the world. So when I was around 15 years old, I got a job in the factory. And that's when I bought a soccer ball. And this soccer ball was a football. Uh, it was a way to bring people together. Because my only way is that I believe in big ideas, but I think that it has to stop with individuals. That's when we're going to have a big impact. 
So I was inspired by Dr. King, Martin Luther King Jr., Nelson Mandela, and women like Wangari Madhai, who won Nobel Prize from Kenya, and Rosa Parks. And I knew that their change, that became a big change in the world and the global, started with people. So for us to fight this poverty, which also bring up the climate change, all those things, we have to make people buy in the idea. So Shofko was started, brought people together, we could just discuss, and let them own it. And it started becoming a very huge movement in the slum. We started from there, we started growing slowly by slowly, and I realized that for us to have a big impact change, women must be frontline. Why? Because in most decisions, when you empower women in a society, in any country, the ripple effect is much huge. So the idea that we have to start, and education is everything. I think education is everything. With education, you understand a lot of things. You understand about climate change, you understand about gender. You With education, you can be manipulated, you can be used. So the first thing for women was, how do we educate our women? Hmm. In a patatonic society whereby most has been women, men are the one in charge. And for that to happen, you have to give them an example. What does that look like? So that's what uh, I know we discussed that before. I, we call it uh, softonology. <laughs> so the idea here was now men must be part of that. It's not easy. Men are going to come burn down the school. What are they going to do? So the idea was that we're going to start a school for girls. And then in this school for girls, we're going to involve men. So what does that mean? Men has to get something. No free lunch. <laughs> yeah, so this is this is the interesting, uh, really interesting part of this is so because what obviously can stop girls and young women getting involved is actually the existing social, cultural structures. Yes. And um, so it's what's really uh, a fabulous story of how you reached that point. So yeah, tell us about how you managed to create a situation. So not only will you uh, have the space to uh, educate those young women and girls, but also that the, the community that surrounded it, including all the men and the older women, were supporting and uh, enthusiastically engaging with it, or alternatively how you dealt with people's objections as well. Okay, good. So if you say about this thing, I've been trying to learn a lot about humanity and human being. Still I'm learning. But I realized something very important. There is always, uh, when it comes to gender issues, there is always a fear. Fear for what? But if you really dig down in the heart of a boy child or male in the slums, in the villages, they're really nice people. But it's fear. So when I started the movement and I talk about we have to protect women, protect them from who? Truth be told, because from men who are abusing them, <laughs> you know? So we men were really pro protective. So when I say you have to protect women, they were like, eh? They were like, no. So I have to come with a different idea. I say this, okay, comrades, we have to protect our moms and our sisters. At that moment, they all got it. They're like, yes, we are with you on that. You see, so, <laughs> so it's very interesting. So that became the first effect. How do you make something personal without a threat? 
you know? So when they agree, like, okay, we're going to protect our moms, we're going to protect our sisters, that's when men start buying into the idea of changing life for, men, for women, of being women, men's allies. That has to be, it still has to be led by women, but men feeling that they are the same as women. So now the movement started very well. I'm going slowly by slowly there. Now, the moment I was going to start a school, I got a backlash. No way. What about men? You cannot do that here. You cannot do that here. And if you think about it, Adam is I'm really learning a lot about humanity. We try to portray Africa that men were, you are the one stronger. But we forget the history. If they follow the history, women were really playing a very bigger role, even fighting against colonization in Ghana, in Senegal, in Africa. You know, so women were, you know, men were going hunting. Women were doing what? Gathering of the fruits. So let's not a man should come and confuse and say, like, you know what? Women were made for kitchen. No! They're never kitchen. They were going doing gatherings of the fruits while men were doing what? Hunting. So I feel like people try to make up things as a way to fight other people. So I think this idea like some men in Africa being like, no, women should not do this, I think is egoistic. Is, you know? So I do that. So by the moment we are not building a school for girls, men were now like, no, don't allow this. So I have to come back to them again. It's all about what the men getting. <laughs> so I told them, okay, listen, man, we're going to build a school. We want to have a way, our women to have a equal opportunity as men. And if you go around these schools here, there is no, we, they have few, few girls to school. Very early age, they're getting married. Very early age, they are forced to trade their body for food. It's not good. But my idea is that we're going to build a school and around the school, there will be a library that men will use. There will be clean water that men are allowed to use. Men love to play games. There will be games in the hall that men can just come and play the games there. <laughs> We're going to create a health center clinic that when men are also sick, they're going to use. But the point is that this girls' school will provide all these services. Adam, at that moment, men were like, we support you. <laughs> you know, so we, we, and I'm really, really thankful to the men in Kibera, especially, that they've been able to accept to educate women in the community. But I think the, the game point, what's the game changer here? The game changer here is that we have to understand the other side of the story. What are they feared for? We have to fill those gaps. We cannot just come with a Western way style would work in Kibera, in my community. So I have to really think, and I know you've been calling it uh, sociology, which I love it. So I didn't know that before. So I've been loving it. Because it's, it's really thinking, you know? It's really mapping it out. How are you going to tackle this issue? It's the same thing with the apple, you know? They think about how it's going to work, how it's going to affect. And in the same way, now, this thing, believe me, my friend, anytime we have election or violence in community, men are the one to come and say, we have to protect this school because they see the direct impact. So, so anyway, so that's how the school works. And now we have some of the, these girls, I take them from a very early age, at the age of 
three. And I work with them because I believe that at a very early, very early education is very important. When you take these girls at the very early age, the best education is when you take them early. Then they can understand things. And we teach them about thinking, creativity, leadership, environment. How do you utilize water? Simple things. How do you utilize electricity? What is the climate change? How is the climate change connected to the trees? You know what I mean? So it is, it is beautiful. And then I believe that these women are going to be powerful. They are educated. And they are going to impact society. And everything we are doing for them is going to be replicated. And I told you, Adam, that I think we can have a Paris conference. We can have these big UN meetings. But until, until every individual on earth knows their role on climate change, nothing will ever happen. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That's true. So, so, so I believe until we make things simple, and not only for the government policies, it is a thing that every household owns it, that I want to be part of reducing the illusion. I want to be part of solving the problem of the climate change. I want to be part of making sure the future generation, my children, my grandchildren, are living in a beautiful planet. If I just leave this thing to the government and to the Paris Accord, zero work. That's my message. <laughs> That's a brilliant. So, <laughs> and, and it's referring to actually that where you talked there, something we, when we met in London, uh, discussion which I have, which for me, this is a, a brilliant uh, technology which you've just described. And obviously, we think of hard technologies such as, as you referred to, the Apple smartphone. But actually, uh, I'd say technology is also the soft technologies, and it's about how you create a way of approaching things. And, and clearly, you've, you've achieved that because of the way that you've worked with the men, allow them to see all the benefits that they'll get from having this girls' school with all the added uh, value that goes around it and then the passion for how you uh, create that so uh, what sort of benefits have you seen to the actual community so how has it changed either the, the girls or uh, the women or the men or other factors what what sort of evidence is there for of the, the success yes i've seen a lot of uh, success stories one of them i'll share that confidence have arisen for our girls at the school, the students, and also women in the community. Women now speak up. Women are now holding positions of power in their communities. It's very, they're also becoming part of decision making, you know, in terms of how many children do they want before women are just there to produce. Now they're they now making decisions. I'm so impressed. That we did a survey and they're like, no, I say I want three, I want two. I have to be part of discussion, you know? <laughs> It'll be very interesting. And uh, even on family planning, all those things. Then I also seen how men have been open up. For example, i give a quick story, which I love. One of my guy I respect a lot in Kibera is a leader. I won't say his name. He was going to marry the second wife. But he's, my, he's a leader and he's a, he associated with our school. So while he was drinking in a local pub, Men told him that, you know what, if you're going to marry the second wife, 
you are going against the policies of Shofko. <laughs> so you have to stop being the leader and go marry and let somebody else take the leadership. And the man was like, you know what? No, 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 no. I'm not marrying anymore. No marriage. I fight for gender equality. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was like, wow, wow, wow. For me, that's really making me gonna cry. Like, you know, because you know, these men they don't feel like, yes, they are part of change, they are part of equality. And then the other day, I got a WhatsApp message from one of uh, a leader in Kibera. He was washing clothes, telling me, you see, I'm helping my wife. My wife is not a slave. And I'm like, what? You see, so now the thinking has changed a lot. Our girls did the exam, and they were top in our area. They did very well in the exams. And, you can, and more girls are now going to school. Because we, we have these beautiful schools that are now inspiring other people to go to other schools. So there's been a lot of change. And we've also been able to engage the government. It's willing really to engage with us on how to expand our services. So I see this is like a, a software that has really grown and is now having a lot of impact. And, uh, and I, I, I'm a strong believer of impact. How do you stop even Apple company? They stop after three months, they say, hey, how is our product? What can we do better? And I think I don't like this idea of uh, charity, social work, just has to be like doing it. No. We don't give you financial returns, but we give you social returns. And the social returns, we have to go and evaluate what is happening in my community since I start working. You mean? So I am a strong believer of data. I am data-driven, to be honest with you, you know? And that's why we're able to create what I call a hard technology, that everybody in my community has a card, barcode card, with your informations. Every time you come to the clinic, you barcode it. We see. We are able to see how much gender-based violence has gone down because we use that, we use that card to trace you and come to you again, ask you, how often did your husband beat you again since they know about Shofko? You mean, these things are real, man. Data is real. I, 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 I love it. That's my new religion, you know? <laughs> it's data-driven. I love it so much. It's like magic, you know? And then... Yeah? Can you tell me, uh, so you... Uh, have you... Because I'm, I'm aware that you've maybe won awards or you've got some recognition. What sort of things have you gained? What, how have people recognised... Uh, the impact that you've been making. Yes. You know, Adam, to be told, really, I, I started doing this work when I was, now I'm 32 years old, when I was 15 years old. And my aim was that my best award I'll be receiving is in the hearts of people that I serve. But life changed. Now it has come beyond my community. You know what I mean? I've been recognized by former president of America, President George, President, sorry, President Bill Clinton. I've been recognized by President Barack Obama when he came to Kenya. Okay. I've been recognized by the president of Kenya, Uru Kenyatta. And we have been also recognized. I'm a member of something called Young Global Leaders, YGL, World Economic Forum. It's a big thing, I think so, you know, to be part of those kind of people who really have made a big impact in the world. And uh, something called Econ Green. So many people have been really kind. Of, people have been seeing like, wow, this is a change, and this is the future. And the future for me is not one single bullet, although I'm not against it. 
the future is now ecosystem integration that's how we're going to solve our world biggest problems it's not one simple bullet that we used to believe that century ago like you go for malaria <laughs> you're done no now is integrated and that's what shofko is all about transforming lives through integration so yeah that's a perfect uh link to the environmental benefits of uh, shofko because obviously what we've been talking about a lot of the kind of social benefits how it's helping the actual direct community the children the the adults the the whole community but um what's interesting is there's a there's a something people might be aware of if they have never come across it they really need to look at something called project drawdown mm. go to drawdown.org and uh you'll find a fascinating um project which has looked at how to deal with climate change mm -hmm. and it's got the 100 best the 100 biggest uh ways of dealing with climate change and actually number five and number six are related to women and education wow and that was really interesting for me because obviously when i came across your organization i immediately thought about how you're benefiting uh women uh, and helping with climate change. So tell me a bit more about how you see that uh, kind of emerging environmental benefit, both the local area and also maybe wider as well. Yes. So, so, so as I said before, Adam, I think uh, we need to talk about this integration. It also become part, for example, what we do in, in our school is we also educate our students on the environmental issues and the climate change but at the same time we don't just want them to read we want them to participate one thing is water i know it's crazy kids come and say you know what now i don't waste water since i learned about this some of them start planting trees think about this no longer throwing plastic papers they're like ah oh, no 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 that's bad for our environment you know and I also see the community now creating groups of recycling going on in the Kibera now. I'm very touched. Poor people are fighting on the climate change better than rich people, truth be told. And I'm sorry to say that, you know, because the rich will always live in a good life, the poor will always suffer here. So it's a wake up call. So now they're doing recycling of the plastic, you know what I mean? In the community. And the, the students are going back to their houses and telling their parents about the climate change, which they didn't know before. Because Adam, the challenge we are facing in the world is that we are not engaging the 80% of the population. It's only like 5% people who want to talk about the climate change. There's no going down, bottom down. Everything is bottom up. Yeah? So we are doing that part. If you go to, I'm sorry Adam, forgive me to say this. You hear about the UN Global Goals, you know them, as I know them too. But I'll go to India in a slum in India, go to African slum, tell people, anybody to tell you that the UN is doing something. They were like, what the hell are you talking about? What is that? You know? So you can see, <laughs> you can see. So I, 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 think, I think we rely too much on the bigger organizations and our government to do this. I believe, yes, they have a part to play. But the bigger part is what Shofko is doing what people are doing in the villages, what people are doing in towns, what are this, what people are doing. So, so I feel there have been a lot of ripple effect on the climate change 
because people in my community are now owning it. They know they are part, not of the problem only, but also part of the solution. But I think if you talk about it, it can really be scary. We talk about climate change, really scary, man. It's so scary. Like, oh my God, we really, we already, I won't say the word, we already yeah, destroyed it. <laughs> so what's next? You know, so but we are giving them hope. No, you can do this to make it better. You can do this, you know, small things, you know. And somebody uh, mentioned all those things. As we can do it, government will do their part, and citizens has a bigger part to do. We also have to give this government pressure. We have to give them pressure so, so that the pressure comes from the citizens for the government to make the right decisions. So everybody has a role to play. And they're already showing the world, as I like they call it, shining up on Africa. Shining up on Africa now, as you can see in Africa, we are leading the way. Absolutely. That's, I mean, it's fabulous to hear about how you're taking, inspiring those girls to go and uh, talk and communicate uh, with their families and their communities. And because, um, as you say, sort of women are more natural, uh, kind of they, they take care of their local environments, which can then Perfect. help their wider environments. Yes. And so, but to just finish off the thing that I'd also like to finish off on is like kind of a hard technology, because I understand you've got a, a piece of technology which you're using at the school and you've got elsewhere, I think, which is actually helping um, environmentally as well. So tell me a bit more about that. Okay, good. So one of the things that we have been really doing is uh, impressive is the water. Water is, we are able to invent it. How? Because climate, because if you think about slums, is dirty on the ground. The water gets contaminated because of the pipes. So we came with something called aerial piping. And this aerial piping is a aerial water that water will be going through gravity. After cleaning the water, we have a borehole that filled by water that is cleaned and filtrated. Then it's pumped up. And it goes to different kiosks in Kibera. And I love about this thing is this is so funny. We build a system whereby you come in with your card, shop or card, you tap in, you pay, no currency. It's you Kenya use funds for paying things nowadays too. So now what happens is that you come and the water knows how many liters you want to put, tick, tick, you put it there, and it fills your jerrycan with no wastage of water. Then you can also charge your phone through the solar on top. Charge <laughs> your phone. Then at night, the plan is that we are going to put the solar tops to bring the light on the streets that make people not to throw things outside at night, you know, because somebody's seeing you, they're also going to fight the crime. You see, think about climate change. It's not only now about climate change, but it's going beyond that. It's also going to be safety for our women and men working at night. Because of solar, <laughs> okay, you have the light at night. I mean, so we're going to have this skill. So we're already building it and already start working. And I'm very much impressed how much, you know what? Fighting for climate change is also fun. Think about that. You know, we have solar, we charge our phones. Every, no, people, people just love it. It's not, it's not complicated. You know what I mean? So, and uh, Adam, I believe in making things interesting, fun, engageable, and people feeling they're enjoying it. You know, as a young man, when I was playing soccer, 
I didn't know I was doing workout. I just love running around in soccer. But in the in long run, I'm like, whoa, I've been working out. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm a good football player. So I've been running out, doing my workout without knowing. It has to come from love. And we have to do things that communities are really feeling part of it. It's good to have solutions from the West. I love it. But we have to also to come down and understand the culture, actually that, the social atmosphere, how can that solution can be integrated? Because I also believe something crazy, Adam. There is nothing new. My mom used to tell me that. Nothing is new. Everything has been, has started somewhere. Even our phone called iPhone. It has to come from somewhere before it became iPhone. <laughs> okay? So, an idea that works somewhere in the US or in London, I believe that it can also work in Africa, but in a different context. You see what So, me also believe that technology is the future. With technology, we're going to solve the world's biggest problems. With technology, we can also solve the, look what we're doing now with water. Technology, you can't tap something there, you know, it's hardware, you know what I mean? And hardware also starts from software. It has to be an idea before it becomes what? A, a hardware. So yeah, so that's what I think that we're really doing. And I'm using technology to change the world's biggest problems. I mean, and it's all about step by step. So that's a, another brilliant connection, actually. A step by step, you're talking about how you're uh, looking to solve those problems and you've been solving those problems, starting off with one school in a, uh, one area of Nairobi. What's your kind of expansion plans? How are you looking to both uh, directly grow your um, your social enterprise, and then also, do you have any ideas about how you can be uh, enabling other people to use your ideas, to use your soft technology, as I'm calling it? Yes. Um, so yeah. So now, so what we're working on is that uh, for it to be powerful, you don't have to own it you have to let it grow so right now shofko is working in uh, four more different slums in kenya mombasa nairobi three different slums like that and i get we get a lot of calls from people emails coming from india uh, from other parts of africa they hear about what we're doing and they're trying to see if that can work so we are build, we call it shofko in the box <laughs> okay, so you're able to come up with something that you can share with other people to do it themselves. You know what I mean? And they ask me, what is this? Adam, truth be told, it's not that difficult for us. For us, it's all start with the people. You understand your community. That's the first one I tell these people want to start shop in their place. I say, okay, no, number one rule is understand your environment, understand your challenges, and figure out how you can solve it. And then I said, okay, look, for example, in Kibera, where I grew up, we did it like A, B, C, D. Take it. <laughs> okay, take this, this is how we did it. But understand your environment. Kibera is not Nigeria. Nigeria is not Kenya. So, you know, so, but we give them these things, so we want them to be very much creative. You know what I mean? And that's how we, so we've been able to, so these people have been using our ideas almost in many places. So. I'm very proud of that, and we are keeping on growing, and uh, and I think now we are the government of Kenya is really interested in what we are doing. They want to try to see how they can get involved, and I want more people, those who are good in technologies, those who are good in ideas. I want people to be to be part of this. I don't want somebody to come in 
to watch this talk and go like that. No. Watch it, be inspired, take action. Taking action mm. is not meaning that you have to come to Kenya. Yes, come. I welcome you to my work. But we also ask yourself a question. How do you want to have impact? What is on this issue you're having in this country? Whatever you are, what can you do? From ask yourself, what can you do? You will find it within you what you can use to tackle the challenges that you are facing in the world. Thank you, Adam. That's brilliant. That's, so I'm uh, been really happy listening to you here. And it's uh, fabulous to hear how somebody who, you know, was homeless at the age of 10, kicking uh, a football around in their teens to kind of keep themselves out of trouble has transforming both their local community and inspiring people around the world. And if, if this uh, video and also podcast can do go a little way to inspiring some more people, then I'll be a, a, a very happy man as well. So if people want to find out more about you and uh, Shofko, uh, where can they find you online? Perfect. So Shofko is www. Shofko is H S H O F C O dot O R G. My name is Kennedy Odede, which is O D E D E. I'm on Twitter, just and I'm on Facebook, and I'm on social media. So I hope to be in touch and interact with people. And also, you can also reach me through Adam, of course. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much, Adam, for this opportunity to talk to the world. I really appreciate. It. No, it's an absolute pleasure. And uh, if you want to find out further episodes of uh, this, you can find it on uh, the website, uh, inspiring-sustainability.com. And uh, you can follow myself. Um, uh, it's Adam Woodhall, all one word, on both Twitter and LinkedIn. You can find me. And so just uh, wanting to finish by thanking you, Kennedy, for uh, your time and uh, all the work that you've been doing in inspiring people. In, uh, in Nairobi, in Kenya, in Africa, and in the world. So thank you very much for that. Thank you so much. Thank you. And, uh, this is finishing today's uh, Inspiring Sustainability Game Changers podcast. Thank you. Thank you.